speaking of so speaking of the move to florida right you you're you're at the the top of your game in your life rocking out <laughs> to to white snake which by the way like kudos to this be, fourth grade <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to our first ever episode of A Life in Six Songs. I am your host, David Reese, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, my wife, Carolina, and my childhood friend, Raza. Hey, hey. Hi there. Hello. This is super exciting. Um, super pumped to embark on this journey with you both. I think just to kick off for, you know, our first ever episode and obviously folks that are new to us kind of wanted to share the floor with you, David, a little bit to ask you, you know, why, why did you start this? What was the motivation behind this podcast and the topic? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think that makes sense for, you know, first episode, you know, Hey, how did you all get here and, and doing this? Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, where to start? Um, well, I've, I've, uh, I'm a musician first. That was my first love. My grandfather was a drummer. He used to let me play drums over his house when they'd babysit. And so music was always a huge part of my life. Um, after college, I ended up, uh, it was right after 9-11, ended up joining the the army um, and deploying to Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, after getting out the past, you know, like 15 years or so, uh, dating myself there, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had been struggling with uh, PTSD uh, for, uh, 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 you know, ever since my military, my military time. And, um, and so have done something, you know, went to school, did grad school and stuff like that, had, had jobs working in veteran services and then had a, you know, uh, in 2021, just had a, a, a full on breakdown where everything came to a, to a head and, you know, had to start getting help for the PTSD and things like that. Step back from my, my job. And when I was thinking about, okay, what do I want to do next? Right. What, what do I, uh, what, what's the new thing on the horizon keeping, you know, getting me up in the morning. Um, you know, I said, I, 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 I want to have conversations with people, but you know, the PTSD and the anxiety and uh, depression can make it tough out and out in the world. I, I can struggle in social situations. I can, I can do a good job and, and put it on, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. Um, and so I said, you know, I want to, I want to have conversations that I want to have. I want to talk to people about things that I care about in that way. And so that's where the idea of like, I want to talk to, you know, about people's people's favorite songs and stuff like that. Um, there was a time where, um, we were at a, uh, corporate holiday party for you, Carolina. Um, and, uh, so everyone's kind of chit chatting and, you know, kind of doing the networking type type talk. And I was just like, 
man, I don't really care about that. I want to know like, you know, Hey, what's your best concert or what's, what's a concert you're hoping to see or something like that. And that's where kind of the very specific idea around, you know, asking people about their, their music, um, uh, came from. Yeah, I think, um, I've, I've been on this PTSD healing journey with you for, for a number of years. And, um, when you told me you wanted to do this, I got super excited because I think PTSD and anxiety robs us of so much of our community, our ability to, um, make keep and maintain friendships and things like that and and so you end up isolated which only makes things you know that much worse and so i got super excited about i joke kind of like gently launching you back into the world and society in a way that feels um not only safe and welcoming but around this thing that you love so much which is music yeah exactly and and that's the um the other motivation behind it um you know, I've, I've loved music my whole life. I've started my life as a musician, um, but I, I never really enjoyed conversations with people about music because I feel so often they they just devolve into sort of my band is better than your band or my genre is better than your genre. Um, it's just kind of seems like what a lot of us kind of naturally go to, you know, and I was just never really interested in those conversations because, you know, um, if I'm telling you, if you ask me, you know, Oh, what's a band you like, or what are you listening to? And I, and I tell you, and your first response is to tell me why that band isn't as good as the band you like. I, I you know, I don't want to have that conversation. I mean, we can nerd out and have those musical conversations about who's the best drummer and why, and those types of things. So it's not like, no, you can't talk about it at all, but that seemed, it shouldn't be just the default. Right. Um, in that way. And so the goal here with this is to, you know, uh, hear about people's lives through six songs that were, you know, um, powerfully connected to things in their, their life, whether or not they're even their, their favorite song, right. That's not the point either. And so really just being, uh, judgment-free about your musical tastes and really trying to understand how the music that's you know, popped up in, in each of our guests lives, um, how, how it sort of was, was part of their, their soundtrack. So at the end of the conversation, at the end of the podcast, we'll finally be able to tell who in fact is better, Neil Peart or John Bonham. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll, we'll have that going underneath and stuff like that. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm here yeah. to sort of shepherd that yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and talk about that in, in sort of underhanded ways in every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because we totally know who, the, who, who is the better drummer, right? Of course. Of course. <laughs> we will not say. But I think even, even with that, I mean, if you want, you could maybe set up some objective factors of what you're going to judge that by. But I think even sure. those conversations – you know, I'm going to say Neil Peart because that was the largest influence on me and who I was listening to. And someone else could have been hugely in, influenced by Bonham. And so that that's what's going to, you know, weigh in. So I'd much rather, you know, let's say, Raza, you're you you're you think the best drummer is Bonham, right? I'd rather hear why you think that is the case and how his drumming speaks to you rather than try and prove to you why Neil Peart is the better drummer. 
And that's precisely the point of this uh, podcast, right? Because <laughs> exactly. we're, yeah, we're, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm as excited to learn about Neil Peart as I am <laughs> to, you know, share my passion for, well, it's not Bonham for me, it's Lars Ulrich, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think we're in this to just talk about why, you know, why, it, why are certain bands, music, uh, certain lyrics, certain, certain, why is music in general? Why is it significant to each person? And 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 we we want to hear the differences. That's the whole point of this. We want to share in those differences because it might speak to something larger and find some commonality. Right. I think I think this is why um, those more judgmental conversations can be so off-putting. Like music is so deeply personal. So I really like the framing of it's not necessarily why something is better as opposed to why something speaks to you, um, which can be just deeply ingrained in our history, our experiences, all the way back to our childhood. Um, yeah, so uh, the format of the show will be, you know, walking through somebody's significant life experiences through um, six key points where music just really hit the note for somebody, six songs. Um, and our way of modeling that for you all, because we don't ever want to ask anybody to do anything we wouldn't do ourselves, is these first three episodes will be uh, our six song story. And so uh, we're going to kick off today with you, David, if that's okay. Sounds great. All right. <laughs> So I'll introduce you not only as the host and um, founder of this podcast, but you're also a, a super interesting, dynamic, and complex individual that I'm pretty partial to, to loving. You're an <laughs> Ironman finisher. As you expressed, you're a drummer, a lifelong drummer since you were tiny. Our thoughts are with your parents who bought you that first drum set. <laughs> a former um, army paratrooper, went on to become a philosophy teacher, uh, and you're a veteran advocate, um, an advocate for, for mental health. So that that's a short, short summary of who you are, and you are so many other things, like loving partner and dad as well. Um so we'll kick it off uh, by asking you, because music is so deeply personal, for you, like what what role does music play in your life? Mm. I mean, yeah, like like I sort of said in in the beginning part of the motivation behind the podcast, it's it's you know it's it's music has has always been there. I've always been just incredibly drawn to it. Uh, some of my most powerful and sort of vivid memories from when I was uh, young uh, was, you know, being in the basement in our house when I was, you know, five, six years old uh, with my parents and my sister and, you know, big old stereo, big old speakers and, um, you know, turntable at the top. And we would listen to, you know, music and just jam and rock out. There's a there's a picture of me out there uh, at about probably five years old in in uh, uh, under ruse, you know, white briefs with a wiffle ball. Bat. That's right. Wiffle <laughs> ball bat as a guitar and uh, no, it's as a microphone um, and headphones on in front of the stereo, just, you know, rocking and rolling. So um, definitely there from the beginning. Uh, like I said, my grandfather was a drummer, uh, jazz drummer. And, uh, you know, growing up when my parents would, you know, do their bowling league or, or whatever and drop us off at, at the grandparents' house, um, he would set up 
uh, you know, the snare drum down in the basement for me and just, you know, let me bang away. And, uh, I, I was hooked like instantly. I just was fascinated with drums and, um, rhythm, rhythm and the movement of drumming is, is what, what, you know, drew me into, to music and things. And so, um, you know, like so many kids before they're able to get that real drum set, um, I was doing the thing where I'd sit in my bedroom and I'd slide a couple tennis rackets, the handles under my butt, you know, so the tennis rackets are in front of me like drums. I think there was a garbage can involved and everything. And I would sit there and just, you know, play along to, to music. And then, yeah, eventually got the drum set and, Got into music, played drums, everything in in middle school and high school, all the things, marching band, symphonic band, jazz band, orchestra, you know, all all of that. Um, And so, yeah, it's just always been a part of my life. Um, Strong connections to it, strong emotions. And it really was one of the signs um, in these past you know, decade or so since the army and stuff that made me realize something wasn't right because I was listening to music, but it, it, I was having trouble feeling right. And so there, I know, I know we talked, there was a couple of times with different things where I was like, I don't feel anything. And it was like, that's not right. And that's not (laughs) what, you know, I was before. Um, and so there, there's, you know, uh, another reason, even though that's not the question, but you know, motivation, uh, for the podcast is, um, I want to talk about music. I want to hear people's stories and I want to just, you know, immerse myself in, in music and, and, and get back to it. So, yeah. That's super cool. And I think we talk about like early experiences or serendipity or just how things come into our lives. Like your parents could have picked like the neighborhood teenager to watch you when they went out, but they sent you to your grandparents and who like, I can't imagine your grandfather would have known at the time that just letting you bang on some drums would have this deep, long lifelong impact on you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, um, it's, it's, you know, in telling these stories and the stories we want to hear from our future guests and things is really those, those chance things where music was, came into our life somehow and we either gravitated to it or pushed away from it or whatever it might, might be. And so, um, yeah. And it's, it's funny cause I know, I know the story, right. Of going over to my grandparents' house and, you know, my grandfather setting up the drums and stuff, but it's, it's one of those things you don't really think about all the time, right? You know, I'm just off living my life and was playing drums and stuff. And so kind of saying it now, um, it makes me kind of think of myself in this sort of history, right? This lineage of whatever of, you know, my, my grandfather playing in jazz clubs and stuff like that. And then me, you know, carrying on the, the, the drumming, um, you know, hat torch, (laughs) torch, that's it. The torch stick drumstick the drumstick yeah the no, baton but that's more like a yeah disney chicken anyway. drumstick you get it yeah. um <laughs> to continue on the, okay. the rhythm all right um so we'll kick off we'll kick off with our our first song here um and it's around you know what is your earliest music memory yeah uh so uh i'm in 
preschool and uh, have a perfect memory of my mom driving us to preschool uh, in her mid 80s Nissan Maxima. Um, and uh, this song was playing uh, the Steve Miller band Abracadabra. Let's so. let's take a listen. song takes me back i think we're all we're all similar <laughs> ages so like yeah i've immediately transported back um hearing it again now tell. yeah go ahead raza yeah i was just gonna say you can always tell from the production um that you know it, if it's the 70s the 80s <laughs> but yeah this was definitely 80s. i always thought of steve Millerband as the 80s or sorry as the 70s but this song i know sounds a lot like the 80s yeah yeah so hearing it now again like what what memories or feelings come up for you? I can, I, you know, listening to it, I was immediately back in the backseat of the car and, you know, unrelated to the song, but on our way to preschool, uh, we would always pass this one sort of like factory or something like that. Um, and there was always, um, a Dodge Charger, a, a, um, uh, from Dukes of Hazard <laughs> out oh, there. Shit. Uh, and we'd the see general. everyone and stuff, the general, yeah, <laughs> general league, you know, problematic now and stuff like that, obviously. Um, didn't realize at the time, just thought it was a cool, you know, cool car and stuff like that. Sure. And Dukes of Hazard was on, on TV and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, the music is just like the thing that I remember from back in that time of why I like paid attention to it is you know this song has this sultry you know uh uh feel to it right even the lyrics and that's the thing that stuck out to me the lyrics you know leather and lace black panties with an angel's face i just i mean i remember that lyric like like nothing and just being like that thing that music can do of like oh my goodness, should I be hearing this? Right? Because it's like, did I hear something I'm not supposed to hear or something like that, that kind of worry. But then also being just like, wow, this is amazing. Like just what music can can do and sort of put this feeling across in this, this you know, imagery of it. And so, um, yeah. You mentioned factories, um, or, or passing or driving by, uh, factories. What, what, like what state were you guys in? Do you remember? Mm. Yeah, this was, uh, in New Jersey. So that's where I was. Oh. I was born in New Jersey, uh, lived there till I was nine, uh, or so. And so this was, yeah, going to preschool in, you know, central Jersey. Uh, my dad worked in New York city and so would do that commute and stuff on the train in, oh, wow. um, Yeah. So yeah, good old Jersey, you know, crossing railroad tracks and going under railroad tracks to get to, you know, preschool. Because we all have the Florida connection. Obviously, I met you, you know, in Florida in high school. And then, but, you know, when you mentioned factories, I'm like, I don't remember any factories in Florida. So where was Yes. (laughs) Yes. Central Jersey, very different vibe to Broward County and 
South Florida. Definitely not East sure. Lauderdale. Definitely not <laughs> Oakland Park. No. Definitely not the Swap Shop. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, the Swap Shop. Was a, for for those who don't know, um, a flea market circus in oh South Florida. Um, and and drive-in movie theater. And <laughs> drive-in movie theater. And I think when we were a kid, uh, every commercial break had a commercial for the swap shop. At the swap shop. At, At the swap, swap shop. shop. Yep. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, well, I think we should tell you. our audience that they should get ready for completely random references as well. <laughs> random <laughs> as we get into, we delve into some really deep stuff. Exactly. It's a music podcast, but also with a little bit of uh, South Florida geography. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like whatever pops up for people. And that could be literally anything, right? When they when they um, are transported back because of the song. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to come up. That's going to come up in a lot of ways of of not just with us, but all of our guests of how um, not only the chance of the song you hear, but your lo- geographical location. Right. Sure. has an effect on this. So where were you? And that's going to affect your musical, your musical journey. Yeah, 100 um, percent. I love that memory and, and the fact that it kind of takes place in the car when you're a little kid, as so often happens uh, with a lot of us who were born or grew up pre, you know, uh, personal musical device time, like an iPod or, you know, something like that. Uh, you sort of listen to what your parents listen to. Right. Like that's how you're earliest um, memories of like musical exposure are but then as you start making friends and you know expanding your your world beyond your parents house uh, you start learning new things from all kinds of folks and so I'll cue up our next song by asking you know what was like a memorable time for you when you first remember being exposed to either like a band or an artist or a music genre you know what song was it what artist was it how did you come across it yeah, so uh, I think I'm just going to say the song and we'll listen to it and then I'll kind of tell the story a little bit afterwards. But I mean, this is a- any story of my life <laughs> through music cannot happen without this story because this is what, you know, pretty much changed my life because it was the first time I was listen- uh, introduced to Rush. And so we're going to play Rush, uh, Spirit of Radio. I, I literally cannot hear Rush and not uh, think of you. Mm, so, mm-hmm. yeah who yeah. who do we who do we <laughs> owe the credit of introducing you to them? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is after we had moved from New Jersey to uh, South Florida, living in Plantation. Um, I had a drum set and so was playing. And ironically enough, my next door neighbor. He also was a drummer and had a drum set. He was uh, a couple years older than me. Um, and I was over his house uh, and we were in the living room and, you know, playing music on the stereo. And he puts, he puts this song on, he puts, you know, this is, this was Rush, the spirit of radio uh, live from the exit stage left album. He puts it on and he's like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And tries to pass it off as his band. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's he's on drums and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's that typical like you know middle school he was uh, I was in middle school and so I think he was maybe a freshman in high school or something like that yeah. so one just playing those jokes and probably also a little bit of like you know he's a little bit older so he's like oh, I could get this kid to believe this you right know? right let me fuck um, with this kid a little bit yep yep plays yyz you know, the live version. And so it's got Neil Peart's drum solo in it and stuff and still is like, yeah, that's me and stuff. Luckily he didn't let the joke like go, uh, uh, after a little bit, he told me who it was and things like that. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, to say I was hooked to say I was like, Oh my goodness, what is this? It's just, you know, uh, we, we all have those bands probably out there that are like, you know, you hear it and you're just like, oh, my goodness, this is it. And I think, you know, for any Rush fans, it, it's really like, oh, my God, this this was this was my band. And so um, went home, started finding albums and getting, you know, things, starting to learn to play it and just practicing. And just I remember sitting in my room every night after school, you know, for a few hours and I would just put the headphones on and just play along. I'd play along to specific songs or um, a lot of what I did was just put my headphones on and throw on like the radio and just play along to whatever came, came on to just kind of, you know, say, what does the universe want me to, to learn? <laughs> were you already playing drums at this point? Like you had a kit at home and everything and you're playing and then, uh, and then, you know, rush comes along and it's just like, boom, all sorts of creative juices just start flowing. Yeah. Yeah. I, the air drumming skill goes from yeah, like five I, to like 15. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I, I don't know exactly the timeline of what and, and where it was, but I was definitely, I know like <clears throat> I got the drum set and everything when we moved to, to Florida, you know, which was fifth grade for me. Um, and so, yeah, this, this started right after that. And it was very much like Raza, like you said, um, I knew I loved drumming. I knew I loved rhythm, but this kind of gave it this like focus, and it's just like, I need to learn to play this. I need to figure this out, right? Neil's drumming in Rush is just so just musical and 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 different than than so many other you know groups that I had heard, and I was just yeah, yeah, blown away and hooked. Yeah, well, I mean, we might as well tell we might as well. Uh, tell everyone. So I, I met you in, in, you know, during our marching band years. I wasn't there very yep. long, but I, I mean, from day one, it was just like oh, yeah, that guy likes Rush. <laughs> I, I had no idea what Rush is. I mean, what is this Rush stuff? I was into slightly heavier, uh, heavier stuff, and Rush was. F- I, I'd heard about them in passing. Um, I'd heard Roll the Bones. Um, that was my introduction. I think my uncle uh, uh, and some other cousins uh, used to talk about it. But yeah, I walked in a drum a drumming class. You remember? You know, oh yeah, Mr. Yeah. Carbone. <laughs> and <clears throat> yeah, that guy likes Rush. All right, cool. But then I heard you actually playing. You, you know, when we, when we were when we started doing our sort of you know, routines and things like that, and you were on the toms at the time. It's like, wow, this guy can really play. I'm assuming he can play well because of whatever this Rush thing has to do with it. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, okay, Rush means the drummer is Neil Peart and. And then I saw like a drum solo during, again, someone exposed at some point. And then it all made sense. It's like, wow, okay, all right, this guy can play. He can play because of the, the influences and the influence. Uh, it, the influence mainly is, uh, is Neil Peart. 
Yeah. And it's just like, okay, all right. And then, and then I got it after I saw the drum solo. I think it was from the 80s. He's got the electronic kit in the back and then the, and the main one up front. And Getty Lee had the funny hair at the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just totally made sense. Yeah. And it's so funny too how, um, you know, we never really know how others see us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they sort of tell us and, and let us know, but we a lot of times don't do that. Um, and so I knew I was a Rush fan and we were, you know, my you know, childhood, other childhood friend at the time, Kevin was you know, a drummer and a huge Rush fan. And we were just, that's what we did. We'd play together and take turns playing and learning the parts and, and whatever, go into the concerts and everything. So I knew it was part of me, but I never realized how much like people saw me as, that person's a rush fan. And so when, when Neil unexpectedly uh, passed away in January of 2020 um, and I, you know, it it hit me really, really hard. Um, And, you know, I posted stuff on social media about it and I was just getting all of these messages from people, like people I hadn't talked to in a while, except, you know, they're on Facebook and you kind of share, but we've never sort of directly communicated um, just saying, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Whenever I hear Rush or see anything of Rush, it makes me think of you. And I mean, I had people reach out to me before I even said anything. Like they heard it and were like, I need to reach out to Dave and see how he's doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough for sure. I, I think for, for me, sometimes there are, you know, bands that come and go. I think the longevity of their career has been like, most of your life and so you didn't only grow up listening to them but i think there were a lot of commonalities let's say between you and and neil um it's like you know introverted but these like musicians creatives uh deep thinkers your love of motorcycles your love of riding your love of reading uh and all the the travel books that he wrote i think i think his life personally spoke to you in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and you know, you never meet these artists necessarily, but they sort of accompany you on your life journey through, throughout the decades. Yeah. 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 I, I need a, um, I need a bumper sticker, a t-shirt that says Neil Peart is my co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause yeah, he, he's sort of been there, like you said, not just in the music and the drumming, but you know, he's the lyricist. So he writes all the lyrics, um, he's he's written books like you said with the riding of motorcycles which i also you know do uh, the the philosophical thinking the reading the writing and so it was just like in so many ways right um uh, i just you know identified with with him and so yeah when he when he passed away you know unexpectedly from brain cancer um yeah it was tough yeah, for sure. Yeah, it can be like letting letting go of a lifelong friend, even though you know, mm-hmm. like I said, yeah, we yeah. don't meet these folks. But um, we'll pivot a little bit, and you know, we kind of <laughs> took a, a a more like overarching life view of of your you know relationship with with Rush and the band and the music. Uh, but we'll zoom in a little bit into those moments where where music can kind of just. Um, just hit us in a certain way. And so uh, for our next song, I'll ask you, uh, what's a song that kind of reminds you of just a perfect little moment in your life where everything felt perfect and right? Mm, yes, yes. Um, 
Yeah, this song, this is one of the songs that uh, gave me the idea also for the podcast and saying, oh, there's got to be people out here with similar kinds of moments like this. Um, and so this was one where I had the idea. I, I knew the song was part of me and said, oh, other people might have this too. And so this particular song, um, I'll set the stage for you and before we listen so everyone can get in the right mindset and be there with me. Uh, so we're back in New Jersey now. We're going a little back in time. Uh, so I was in fourth grade and the school I was at was uh, fourth, fifth and sixth grade is was the structure. So I was fourth grade. So I was, you know, the youngest. We're getting on the bus after school one day and my neighborhood friend who was in sixth grade, like waves me back and says, hey, Dave, you know, come back to come back with us and come sit in the back of the bus with us, which is, you know, in the middle school hierarchy days and stuff like that, that's like, man, you got handed the keys to the castle kind of thing. Right. They um, opened the velvet rope for you. That's well. right. That's right. And VIP. it's like, and I'm walking, I'm like, <laughs> it's cool. I'm with him. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I go and I, I'm in the back, fully back seat on the left side by the window. Windows are down. It's like just a beautiful day out. Temperatures like it's not too cold, not too hot. Um, our bus driver we had uh, was pretty cool, and he was always playing music and stuff, and you know, cranking it up too. And um, right as we start to roll off, I'm sort of you know how we used to do. We're not. I'm not sitting in the seat. I'm like turned sideways, you know, and my elbows up out the window. And right as uh, we start driving. Um, White Snakes, Here I Go Again, comes on. this thought of you just like back of the bus you know just like it doesn't get any better than this <laughs> totally totally school's out for the day i just got invited to the back of the bus music kicks on it's this it's this song about you know just going for it and hitting the road and all that and you know um and then it's funny too hand walks in right <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah, and like that red dress on the car, and it, like the music video is pretty epic for that iconic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and I just, uh, uh, you know, I was in fourth grade, so I was this little, you know, peanut. But at the time, you don't, you don't realize you're that. You feel like, oh my goodness, and stuff. And you know, like you said uh, before with my similarities to, to Neil Peart and sort of the, you know, introversion and the deep thinker and stuff like that. Um, you know, this, I, I was just in my mind going, this is what it's all about right here. Life is good and, you know, grab onto it and, and, you know, make it an adventure. So yeah, what, one of those perfect memories that I have, like I, I can visualize it perfectly. <laughs> And that was just a year before you guys moved to Florida. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yep. 
Yep. That was fourth grade. And so, yeah, I moved, um, the summer between fourth and fifth grade, you know, my dad company got, you know, offered down in South Florida. And so had to, you know, had to move and, uh, was not happy about it, was not looking forward to it. I remember my sister and I, um, when we were getting ready to sell the house, you know, we re-wallpapered re um, uh, my room because it was my childhood room. So it had like, you know, the alphabet and stuff and animals on it. And so, you know, we re-wallpapered it. And uh, our parents uh, let my sister and I draw on the wall before they put the wallpaper up, like as, you know, it's going to be covered up. And I remember we we wrote real big, I hate Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it's funny because oh I don't want to move. Yeah. Like we're going to get into, right. So much of, of what happened in South Florida, you know, makes you who you are and stuff. But at the time you just feel like, you know, it's the unknown at the time. It's the unknown. Yeah. You're taking <laughs> away every, you know, everything yeah. we know. Yeah. Um, something I love about, about this song and like, hair bands of the 70s and 80s we had to describe this to my daughter one day we were like talking about hair bands she was like what is that and so it's like there's all these pictures of like between bon jovi and like all the other bands just like this massive you know hair or whatever um is how these songs really kind of make you feel like free like you just like let go and rock out um that's a memory i have of of this kind of music like and these white snake videos yeah yeah. You know, it's funny. So yeah, hairband, right? Um, you realize now that obviously, it, obviously, obviously you know, hair naturally doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's obviously, you know, permed and this, that, the other. Yeah. I found out the other day that one of the trends with our kids generation, so kids, so, you know, folks who are in, kids who are in, in high school or sort of late eighth grade or so and then going into high school is that they got to perm the hair so so the particular style that's going around these days is is is, is kids boys male child male children <laughs> you know to get the look that they're going for they got to perm the hair so it's it's almost like back to the 80s where that was you know if, if you're cool mm -hmm. you're perming your hair and you're growing it out bleaching all this other stuff to look like you know, David Coverdale or Motley Crue or whatever. So even that is back full circle in a funny, in a funny way. Yes. I will say we hear a lot um, in, in our teenage daughters, like community or world about like flow, right? The hair, the hair yeah, the flow. flow. <laughs> um, there are like, we, cause she, she plays hockey. So that's sort of dominates our life. But there's like contests in Minnesota for like best, flow best hockey hair but and it is all this like very like poofy longer yeah. you know <laughs> wave scenario yeah you're like wait what decade are we in again because i feel like we like zonk you know back in time well so okay so we're all from <laughs> basically the same generation in our day flow meant something completely different pop quiz <laughs> who wants to go first he's got sick flow rapping skills lyricists Oh no! Oh, what are you thinking? <laughs> no, flow is money. Oh, if you're going oh, club, money. Hey, yeah. You, oh, you that's money. Right. Cash money, flow. You got any flow for me? That's yeah, so true. <laughs> wow. Sorry, that was funny. Like cash um, flow. That was money. good. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, cash yeah. flow. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Well, now, <laughs> now it's, I now it's that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Flo needs something different for everybody at all times. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh my god. Um, speaking of so, speaking of the move to Florida, right? You you're you're at the the top of your game in your life, rocking out <laughs> to to White Snake. Which, by the way, like kudos That's where to it this peaked, fourth grade. Kudos <laughs> to this bus driver for clearly knowing how to keep about a hundred kids like engaged and sitting down and like quiet. It's like, uh, let me just rock out. Like, I don't think that ever happened to me as a kid. So, kudos to whoever that bus driver was. Yep. Um. So you move and life sucks and and you hate Florida, but uh, I, I I'm pretty sure that opened up just a whole new world of experiences. You know, New Jersey and and South Florida are very very different places. Um, and so to to cue up our next song, let's let's talk a little bit about new new perspectives and songs that kind of um, you know rocked your world and like you know blew your mind to to something you you hadn't experienced before. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we definitely, before we moved, were hating Florida. But once we moved and, you know, you start making friends and, you know, living life and you're sort of like, well, this is pretty cool. It's kind of warm all the time and there's no winter. So, hey, we can skateboard all year and, you know, all of these uh, things. We were like, that's great. And so, you know, um, I, I have this key memory of in my neighborhood and, you know, um, back then in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, we didn't have streaming, we didn't have the internet and stuff like that. So finding music and getting exposed to it, you, you, you had to listen to the radio. Maybe you're reading, uh, some of the music magazines and things like that, but really it's, it's who you're around, right? Someone gets exposed to something from somewhere and then you pick it up from, from then. And it's almost got this like, you know, barter system of trading cassette tapes and, and things with, with friends and then, you know, making a copy of it or whatever and giving it back. And so, uh, there was this one time I was at my neighborhood friend's house and did one of these, you know, borrow trade things. And, uh, it was NWA's album, uh, straight out of Compton with their, you know, uh, key song of fuck the police. Take the motherfucking stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help your black ass. You goddamn right. But won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad because I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit because I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. And thrown in jail, we can go toe to toe in the middle of a sale. How how old do you think you were when you heard this song? The album came out in 88, I, I want to say, I'm pretty sure, which is the summer we moved. And I'm pretty sure it was like fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. Probably. Like it yeah. was early on after the after the move and, and things. And so um yeah, it was I I remember just listening to it and just hanging on kind of every word and and even the whole um like presentation of it mm. of of here's who we are and we're we're telling these stories and and just you know this song you know coming out with a, a title of fuck the police it you know it is right, attention grabbing kid. and i'm like yeah 
I'm like, what, what's going on? Yeah. And I, I remember just, you know, two things. One being very well aware that the people that were, you know, are rapping on this album, um, we're, we're having a very different experience mm-hmm. than I was right. Mm-hmm. They, they are talking about something that I am not familiar with. Um, and so that, and then two, um, like I just felt their like sincerity, I think is a, you know, a word I might use. Like it, it didn't feel like this was just a song that people were making just to, write a song right, right? right there was anger frustration and 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 you know all these kinds of things behind it and so i just uh remember being so moved by it and it, and it was a moment where sort of i think kind of commitments around social justice and racial justice and and these kinds of things started i obviously didn't call them any of that then or or whatnot but but uh an awareness that um, not everybody experiences the world in the same way mm-hmm. and not the same way I do. And so there's a lot I can learn from other people's perspectives. Yeah. I think at that age, you don't know to call it privilege, but just exactly what you said, the awareness and exposure that like, hey, this life I live in suburban plantation is not um, the life that that others live in other communities. And particularly, you know, the song delves into like why, right? Marginalization, race. And so, yeah, that can really like blow up what might feel like a perfect little world in, in early, you know, adolescent childhood. What's truly mind blowing is that so okay so like you said that song came out in eighty eight right and that means that the, obviously there were events that led to the guys in NWA writing about that experience so whatever they're talking about has probably been going on before so that's so leading up to that there's stuff going on they released this in eighty eight the Rodney King incident wasn't until ninety two so that's another four years later. And then fast forward, obviously, to more recent um, uh, um, you know, events in the last couple of years, couple of you know, five, ten years, and in, in, in between, I'm sure. And it's still relevant, right? It's still relevant. There is still um, uh, 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 marginalized people, people that are experiencing stuff completely. It's like parallel universes, and, and it's still relevant, and it's still going on. I, I, I was, I, I knew about NWA, you know, growing up um, and Ice-T and I, I'd heard about the controversy. So I'd always approach it from, I wasn't into the music per se, but I, I was into, I, I knew that it was, it was relevant because of the, like the, um, the news perspective. And then obviously there was all sorts of censorship type issues and Ice-T songs were banned and some of the other mm-hmm. um, uh, things, you know. So I, I, that was my exposure to this stuff. But then more recently, um, during the uh, during like Black, uh, Black Lives Matter and and some of the more recent police brutality type type cases that came out, police brutality cases that came out that type, um, I went back. And I'm like, you know what? Let me listen to NWA now. As I was in my probably late 30s at the time, 
right? As a grown adult with all sorts of education, I'm a lawyer, um, and and listen to this, listen to these records, and and just you know hear about it. Listen, listen to it. Let me listen to the content. What is it that that was going on? And it was just mind blown, right? Like hashtag mind blown, mm. um, and just my jaw dropped because it's like someone is making commentary on on events going on right now. And, and yet this stuff came out in 1988. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, um, it, it's awesome to hear. Um, and it's also incredibly frustrating because it's still going on. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think of, um, a, a memory from my sort of middle high school time with the police, um, there was this instance of uh, my high school girlfriend and I, um, we were in my Jeep Cherokee. And, you know, as you do in high school, you need to find a place that's private to, you know, make out and, wah, and wah, whatnot. Wah, 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 wah. Um, and so <laughs> I had parked on the swale, which for those of you that don't know, that's the grass in between the sidewalk and the road. South Florida's got them all over for flooding reasons and whatnot. Um so I parked on the swale by this park, right? Playground and area and stuff like that. We're at uh, night, in the back. I hope. At night, at night. Yep, at night. That's a key <laughs> part of the story the park too. In the daytime. Yes, Got yes. It. At night, uh, we're in the back of the Jeep Cherokee, and a cop car pulls up, and we see the lights flash. Pulls over. We quickly get up and hop out of the car, and officer comes over, and you know, I'm we're in high school, um, and. Uh, he's, he's starts saying, you know, Hey, what are you guys doing here? You know, the park closes at sundown. You can't, you know, be in the park. And me, I remember, and you know, here's a perfect example of like the privilege. Um, I got all like philosophical lawyerly on him and was like, is the swale considered part of the park? Oh my God. And he's like, well, no, but you were probably in the park before and kind of like heading into bets. And I was like trying to like one up this cop and like prove him wrong. And, and so to just like have that experience where, where I felt like I could say something back to this cop and then hearing songs about, you know, that not everybody has that experience and they have to be, they're taught from young how to interact with the police to make it home. Right. right and to survive so, the encounter. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that, that, that is just like, you know, my, like a lived experience of the, the differences. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, both of them are, are, you know, seared into my, my mind. Yeah. I, so I came from a country that everyone looks the same <laughs> and, you know, so we're sort of homogenous. Uh, and so I had no idea about this stuff called race relations, racism, things like that. And, and, and we traveled, you know, we immigrated straight, straight to South Florida, which is as much of a melting pot mm -hmm. as you can imagine. And we were like, this is great. There's people from everywhere. And then we turned on the news and it's, no, there is a serious, you know, there's some serious problems. Um, and, yeah. and, and there's seems to be sort of a common denominator of a particular race of people and things seem to be fundamentally unfair 
so then and then you and then you start asking questions well, what is going on why 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 is that and obviously i mean i was like 10 years old at the time and my understanding is a lot deeper now but 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 yeah it, 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 was, it was really interesting times troubling times um and then and then and then you're getting you know social commentary from from music um a lot of the stuff that, that that we're exposed to is because of music and because it's relevant and because it's authentic yeah and it can be you know musicians create to, to, to get out, you know, their voice and their message and, and whatever, or, or tell stories, whatever it can be, but it can be across genres, right? Everything from NWA as we're discussing to, you know, rage against the machine, um, to even uh, other bands that are more, more punk or more pop, but trying to like put out messages any way they can, um, to further promote and enact change. It's and and it's been it's if we look at music like if we look at especially like rock and roll th- you know throughout history, I had no idea that stuff like like you know um, uh, Credence uh, Clearwater CCR I had no mm-hmm. idea that they were writing about stuff you know protesting the Vietnam War Vietnam, right yeah. that was that was the that was the main thing in the sixties and that, those were the protest songs of the sixties had no idea that that's what what the songs were about. And then fast forward to like the '90s, you know, um, I heard it in Forrest Gump, and I'm like, "Oh, that's what that song meant." <laughs> um, and yeah, Rage Against the Machine, perfect example. Body Count. I mean, Ice T's heavy metal band, Body Count. Mm-hmm. There goes the neighborhood. I mean, I mean, killer stuff. And by the way, that was banned as well. <laughs> uh, I think he had a song called "Cop Killer." It was banned. Um, and um, and yeah, and and you know, so and and. Just when you think that things are better and stuff has 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 uh, has, has shifted and times have, have changed, nope, something else happens that, uh, that 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 necessitates artists taking a stand and um, and, and writing songs and, and expressing that frustration. You're reminding right, yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, change is uh, painfully slow, right? And I feel like we take two steps forward, one step back. Um, and so, yeah, everybody just has to keep creating and sharing and, you know, being really loud about the things that, that need to change. All right. Um, let's, we're going to kind of stay here in, in, in the world of, um, challenging times and, and difficult situations, uh, and kind of pivot a little bit to, to more personal uh, experiences for, for you, David, of like difficult times. Um, and so our next song we'll ask the, the prompt here is, is what song has helped you through a difficult time or, or a difficult situation? Yeah. So uh, like you had said, and I had said in our, in our introductions, you know, I, um, uh, I was a infantry paratrooper at the 82nd Airborne Division uh, right after 9/11, and was in Afghanistan uh, for just shy of a year. And then, like two months later, we got called up to deploy to Iraq. And um, so, while I was on that deployment, I definitely I struggled on that deployment. That's where a shift happened for for me. The Afghanistan deployment felt I was like you know, with the mission and writing home and everything like that. When, you know, we deployed to Iraq, I went numb and very much, you know, shut down. It was a, a challenging uh, time for me. And 
but I had a little bit of music to, to help get me through. And this is, you know, one of the funny ones. And it's the one actually, you know, when I told Raza about it with the idea of the podcast, he was like, oh my God, I love this idea because these are these stories, you know, we want to hear. And so, you know, it wasn't, uh, as easy to get CDs and things like that. You know, we were there earlier on. And so there was a little PX, a little, a little convenience store shop on, on, on the base. Um, and they had a few different CDs and things like that. And I'd brought like a little disc man, I guess it would have been, you know, this is right, right. As you know, iPods and stuff are kind of starting to happen. So I was still with CD player and had a few CDs with me, but the one CD I was able to pick up as it was one of the few they had was Britney Spears's toxic. <laughs> and I listened to it pretty much every day. Uh, and it helped me get through the deployment. So. Let's take a listen. Yep. Yep. Well, if nothing else, we we've definitely broken ground in having uh, a music podcast where we talked about White Snake, then NWA, and now Britney Spears back to back. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so How yeah, it, yeah. You know, yeah, to it now. it's um, uh, you know, Britney Spears is not one of my favorite artists, right? Um, and and so this is one of those examples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. Very big, very straight forward pop. This even is as, you know, got some of the electronica coming in, you know, with the, the beats and things. Um, and so, but it just, I, there was something about it where I kept going back to it. Um, every day, um, we, we were doing a thing where we were running a checkpoint, um, for a while. Um, and we had like the early morning shift. So we were getting on like before the sun was up and then we'd be, we'd get relieved like, uh, like right after lunch, right after midday. And we'd usually go and, and get something to eat and then come back to our, our area where our bunks were. And we sort of had some downtime and I would, you know, probably take a shower or something like that, lay on my bunk and just put my headphones on and just listen to, to this. And, you know, it was, um, I don't, I don't really know why that kind of happened day after day, but I think it was just, you know, it wasn't political in any way. Right. So I, it wasn't kind of like a rage against the machine or system of a down or something like this. That's kind of critiquing things and stuff because, you know, I, I think I, I had to shut that side of me down a little bit, you know, of not kind of thinking of the bigger picture at times. Cause that, would make it just more tough. I'm just like, I've got to do my mission each day and we got to survive each day and, and whatnot. And so I think this just kind of, you know, straightforward pop party music just kind of felt like that. It felt like as different from, you know, a military deployment to Iraq as, as you could, you could get. 
as, as you guys were playing the song. Uh, so <clears throat> as Dave, as, I mean, as you said, the, this, this description is what, what in, inspired, inspired me, but I, <laughs> it inspired me to join, you know, on this journey. Um, because I remember you bringing up the idea in like a text message or something mm-hmm. and like, wait a second. Okay. So first of all, I've, I've known that you, you were deployed and we've talked about that. And, um, but this particular memory was like, okay, this, it, it, it's, it's so like two complete polar opposites, right? You, you, know, you juxtapose Britney Spears against Iraq, Afghanistan being deployed. You know, I mean, I'm picturing, you know, combat, yeah, uh, you know, explosions going off, also mortar. I mean, whatever. Like, you're, I, I haven't been in combat. I'm a city boy, I, but but just I've watched enough movies to know that it can be hell. I've read about it, um, and you experienced it, and so I'll always associate this song with that visual of of you know veterans, active duty folk in in combat. You know, all sorts of stuff going off. And this is stuff that ha- we, we, I, if, if you're interested to, to share this experience, this has to be shared. This has to be yeah. put out there. I think, and I think that so many people can relate to it who actually are veterans who, who were in combat and who probably have similar memories, but just, you know, for whatever reason, um, don't have this platform to, to, to talk about it. So I have to be a part of this. And, I, and, and, and yeah, so this is what motivated me to, to join and uh, and obviously you know the other stories related you know like in nwa and white white snake um uh comparisons that's just like icing on the cake yeah yeah and i think um you know that is a you know motivations for the podcast another i you know idea with this podcast is you know um in general we we don't do a great job of talking about mental health and and things like that um and specifically amongst the the veteran community right i mean that's the the struggle we're we're all very aware of you know 22 lives a day you know by by suicide and and um you know all these struggles and when i think about a number of the people i served with you know everybody's struggling in in different ways and into varying degrees and and whatnot and so you know, part of the idea with this podcast is to kind of have these more open conversations around music and our life as a way to, you know, show how you can talk about mental health um, and address these things. And it doesn't have to be like either nothing or you're in a psychiatrist's office or something like that. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I, I want people to open up on this podcast and share some of these things. And we're, we want to create a, a space where people feel like they can, they can do that, um, to sort of open up, uh, you know, some of these things. I think the phrase we've mentioned a, a couple of times is, you know, uh, be kind to everyone you meet because everyone's fighting a battle, you know, nothing about. Right. And so, um, you know, that's kind of the idea here with let's have these conversations around music in a kind, open way. And let's carry that over into conversations around, you know, mental health and PTSD and depression. Yeah. Yeah, I I think absolutely along those lines, what, what I love so much about 
this story and how it connects to that is um, so much of what can affect our mental health, anxiety, our ability to connect with others is that like fear of judgment, um, fear of uh, living up to a stereotype or being stereotyped or like, you know, all of those things. And so the juxtaposition of like Britney Spears in a combat environment, I think is so awesome. I think whatever you think of um, in terms of deployments and combat from what you might see in, in media movies, the songs tend to be much more rock heavy or much more, you know? Um, and so I think like breaking down those like preconceived notions of what somebody should listen to when they're in the military or what somebody should listen to when they're in certain environments and understanding that like, light music or music that makes you want to dance or, you know, is how you survive these types of environments. And so I love the, the disparity um, of this, of this song and your experience, because it, it kind of just like does away with all of that in a really cool way. Yeah. And I think here, here's an example of sort of the, the veteran community and the non-veteran community and how like, you know, they're not necessarily communicating as much as they could be. It's just all about thank you for your service and things. Um, you know, everyone who's been in the military, I, I'm very confident will hear this story and and know exactly what I'm talking about. Their specifics might be different, but they've got these examples. But I don't know how open veterans are to telling these stories to people that weren't in. Right. Because it breaks down the what we think we should be. Um, you know, I'll give you another example. Right before I got out, um, my unit went down to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Um, this is the end of 2000, 2005. Uh, we were doing relief efforts in there. And so we were we were just uh, uh, bunking in a, in a warehouse type thing. So just think of, you know, Green Army cots <laughs> all spread around and stuff like that. And I remember that. Uh, people were passing around a, one of those thick bridal magazines, you know, that has all the, it's just pages of gowns and cakes and, you know, companies and stuff. And there was like a line of people waiting to get it of like, I got it next then you and then you, cause it was, it was what was there. And so it was like, cool. And I think it is that thing of, it's so different than what we're doing that it causes this break. I remember that that deployment too. our platoon sergeant and platoon leader were watching, um, the OC <laughs> that, uh, TV, that the, like yeah, drama, yeah, yeah. you know, TV show of in orange County, you know, yeah. kind of like a remake, not a remake, but like another Beverly Hills, 90210 or something like that. And they were watching that each evening after we were done with, you know, our patrols and stuff like that. It's, it's just that way. I think to, to find some type of normalcy or familiarity because what you're doing is so just unfamiliar and, and it can be tough to place yourself. Right. I mean, Katrina was incredibly grim. So many, you know, people did not survive that storm and drown. And like, so yeah, how do you pull yourself out from just being surrounded by all that death? I yeah. love that it was a bridal magazine. I think I love that. That's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yep. So did you see the uh, Raging Cajun? I'm forgetting his name now, but the, but is it, oh. the, the um, uh, oh, um, General Honore, I think his name was Honore. I'm, I'm forgetting his rank, but uh, 
the KBOC. Yeah, no. <laughs> Long story short, we'll have to we'll have to look up the news on that one. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It no. Was, I mean, it was it was it was weird. Like the Katrina relief, we were down there for you know about thirty days. Um, that was strange in its own way because anything we saw in Afghanistan or Iraq, you're like, okay, this is a war zone. Right. We've gone into both of these countries. We've disrupted everything. There's insurgencies and people defending their homeland and warring um, warlords going against each other. And so you're like, yeah, yeah, shit's probably not going to look great or be great. Right. You know, there's going to be bad stuff happening. But here, this was just New Orleans. Right. And it looked like a war zone, just like any other in Afghanistan or Iraq. I mean, when we got there, there was still, you know, six, eight feet of water. We were down in the ninth ward going with rubber boats, you know, house to house looking for bodies. There were dead bodies floating by, um, you know, uh, people were getting shot at, right. Cause people were defending their homes right. from looters and everything. I mean, it was, it was, it was a very wild experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, all these songs are so, are so different and like just hold such special places for you, but are like different genres, different, you know, all these things. So um, we'll pivot one more time with our last song here. Uh, just in thinking about being in, in a challenging, dif- uh, challenging situation or place and what you did to try and like transport yourself somewhere else or try and, you know, um, we'll cue that as our, as our next question what is a song that when you hear it, you're instantly transported uh, to a specific time or place in your life? Yeah. So um, for the listeners and, and viewers out there, if you haven't picked up on it yet, the three of us grew up in South Florida. <laughs> um, and so uh, for me, when I hear um, Two Live Crew, uh, it immediately puts me back south florida middle school parties kids djs everything like that and so this particular one i picked um is two life crews uh shake a little something what's here okay man are you ready to go i'm ready to go now come on now crank this motherfucker up As soon as you hear that siren, it's all over. <laughs> yeah, every middle school dance I went to. Oh yeah. my goodness! Um, How does it feel hearing it again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, just as good. It is like it just makes me want to dance and makes me want to, you know, party. And it's just this, like, you know, just great music. And it's, you know. Um, I joked earlier and said, you know, it's a music podcast, but it also is a little bit of a geography podcast, I guess. And, you know, here's an example of if you were in South Florida in the 80s and 90s, like 
two live crew and the the other you know groups and things that were were similar you know booty music or you know uh, you know south florida bass jams and you know all the different names freestyle too freestyle you 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 couldn't escape it right and i i don't mean that in a bad way like it was oh i can't get away from it it was just it was the soundtrack for all of us you know at the roller skating rink skating ice skating rink uh like i said i remember going to a lot of like little parties at people's houses for you know 13th 14th birthday and there's like some other teenager there with homemade speakers and stuff djing and and spinning these these songs and things like that and so um yeah, it just puts me back there. And I mean, with two live crew, um, I also have an even more like intimate connection to it. I mean, not uh, like, you know, seven, seven degrees of, of uh, Kevin Bacon here, I guess you could say maybe, <laughs> but, um, you know, two live crew and, um, you know, the music they were making, we played a, a, more clean. <laughs> Shocked you found uh, it actually. <laughs> excerpt. Um, but, you know, they were, um, you know, Broward County Sheriff's Office and things were coming down on them for, you know, violating obscenity laws and stuff for their album itself, you know, got banned. But also uh, they were arrested when they were doing a performance. And so the trial that went on um, my middle school, I was at Plantation Middle School, uh, one of my guidance counselors there um, uh, was on um, – uh, the, the jury for the trial. And so we were like very closely watching that. Cause we like knew someone who was, who was there. And it's so funny reading the article on it, doing a little bit of research for it. It says, you know, she was 42, <laughs> like the newspaper says, so, and you know, uh, uh, Mrs. Von Hebert, was that it? What was it? I have it somewhere. Hold on. Von Hebert. Yeah. Mrs. Von Hebert, um, or Van Hebert. Anyway, um, you know, newspaper says, you know, 42 guidance counselor at Plantation Middle School. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's younger than I am right now. <laughs> and like, you know, <laughs> being at that time in middle school, you it looked like this like adult was on this jury trial. Um, and and it was cool, too, because at that age, because, you know, this is at the time where NWA and, you know, all of these things about the parental advisory coming on CDs and and really all these things about free speech uh, are, are really at the, the forefront. Um, and I remember just thinking of like, oh, I hope my guidance counselor isn't the one to like, you know, <laughs> you know, find them guilty shut, of obscenity and stuff. But no, she's the got party and, down. No, yeah. she's got comments of like, no, this is if it's in a 21, 21 and up club. Like, yeah, of course. Like I see it as, you know, comedy and, and other stuff. And so you can't limit the free speech. And so, yeah, so they were found, um, uh, they were, you know, acquitted of the charges. And so, Faith and justice restored. <laughs> yeah. Right. This, yeah. it was not a nothing incident. Like it challenged the first, first amendment. amendment. Yeah. <laughs> Straight um, up. I want to say, as I'm like quickly Googling here, like it went all the way to the <laughs> Supreme court. Right. Um, the case was Campbell V. Aka froze music. Um, like, yeah. And, and the reason we have explicit lyric stickers on albums or on uh, any music sold is, is because of this. Yeah. yeah. So much. So it was so big that uh, <clears throat> one of 
their two live crews subsequent albums was named band in the usa and the title song is band in the usa taking bruce springsteen's born in the usa clip sample and talking about how they you know being banned in the usa where they were talking about the free speech and everything around it and so yeah yeah i remember reading about that afterward and then you know studying it and 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 yeah it was it was it was such a blatant violation uh you know a sheriff walking in and literally you know destroying uh material that it's the state (laughs) the state coming in and 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 then and and basically trampling all over the first amendment um but yeah it did go to the supreme court and 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 uh i think justice did prevail (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know if it was before or after, but I, 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 in my sort of you know music nerding out, I've watched some of those hearings. The uh, there was a um, a board P PMRC, and um, and 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 there's this sort of line of uh, of rock stars that eventually walks in and they testify in Congress about uh, you know what do their lyrics mean and why why they should or should not be banned. Um, and D. Snyder in his full sort of twisted sister get up, you know, and he testifies and he presents the most like eloquent argument. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure who was who, you know, from Congress was on the panel, but they're obviously stunned. And <laughs> and and they're like, I mean, you know, Mr. Snyder, you make a whole lot of sense. And and, and so I think it was around that time also, again, this was probably before the uh, the little explicit lyrics or explicit content um uh, labels and stickers started coming up. It was right around that time, I think late eighties and early nineties. And, um, I remember there was a, a cover from, uh, one of the GNR albums originally was banned. That was around the time as well, 87 or so appetite for destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of interesting, uh, relevant, um, debates going on at that time. And then obviously there's a, there's a Florida connection to everything. And this was <laughs> <Always>. our in. <laughs> so, Always, oh, it's like the Florida shenanigan connection. Like, what's going on down there? That's right, Florida yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, and just like you know, going back to the music side of it, you know, uh, what got me from young into music and as a drummer and stuff is rhythm, right? And um, and so this booty music and and um, the hip hop and then later, you know, getting into techno and electronic music and stuff. I mean, that's what drew me into a lot of it outside of the lyrics and the political side and, and what they're talking about. Just this rhythm and this beat. I re- <laughs> Here's another memory. In middle school, in lunch, we we had those lunch tables. I, I'm pretty sure they're still around. I remember our daughter's school has them, but they're the kind that's a table and it's got a bench on each side and they kind of fold up. You know, and you can wheel them <laughs> around. Right. Yeah. And so when they fold down, there's the crossbars that's going down. And we realize that, you know, this is a bunch of us, you know, band kids and, and stuff sitting around uh, in middle school at lunch. If you put your elbows on the table and put your hands over your ears, when someone would hit that bar, it sounded just like an 808 kind of bass kick. Um, and so we would... <laughs> We I'm would take the whole group of you. <laughs> Everybody's sitting here. One person's underneath hitting it. Another person's, I think, on top doing, you know, the knuckles and stuff like that. But that was that was huge and stuff. And so, yeah, it was just like, you know, rhythm 
all, all the time. And I, I think it's, you know, I feel it's like one of those kind of most foundational, uh, basic connections to music is yeah. through the rhythm of it, right? We have a heartbeat that has a rhythm and that's like, you know, the way we connect. And so these are just, you know, and Britney Spears, right? That particular song, it's got that, you know, a, 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 a good beat to it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that South Florida, I don't even know if this is the official genre for it, but that South Florida booty music, um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a, a, a rhythm or a beat like that since. Um, but I, the memory I have of it is traveling down to C- Colombia to visit my cousins. I would spend summers and Christmases there and stuff like that. And they would ask me about life in the U.S. Some, um, you know, questions like, does everybody look like the cast on Baywatch down there, over there? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and then like, you know, what kind of music do you listen to? And I threw some of this on. And so we haven't even talked about like the lyrics and stuff like deeply problematic. Now as adults, we're like, damn, you know, but so I throw some of this on and they're like, they're, they're, you know, more listening to either American pop or rock or like salsa or meeting. And they're like, what is that? Like, how do you, what are they saying? And I was like, I can't tell you that. Like, I'm not <laughs> translating into Spanish. I, I, <laughs> I don't even want to say it myself. And then they were like, how do you dance to this? And I'm like, I can't show you that either. So like, I'm giving you this excerpt. <laughs> of this music that is now like top secret. I can't tell you what they're saying. I can't show you how we dance to this because you're all going to be mortified. Which is just draws people <laughs> in more, right? If you say, I can't tell you that, or, you know, it's, it's like, Ooh, what is it? What's going on? <laughs> right. How does one, well, so you bend over and then you're like, what are you, how do you explain <laughs> to people? <laughs> and that's when I felt like, wow, this is weird and different. Uh, and also kind of cool. Yeah. 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 I should, I'll, I'll tell you my story, which is, uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we immigrated from Pakistan. There's definitely no booty music going on over there at the time. Um, and, and we land and, and then the sort of the tropical paradise of South Florida. And this is the stuff that's, it's, it wasn't really on MTV, but it was, we, we heard like it was all over the place. Yeah. Miami Vice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you'd get clean versions on like Power 96 on the radio and stuff. You'd get somewhat yeah, but who clean, wants versions. clean versions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> So I remember when my parents heard this stuff in passing and they're like, this too live crew. No, 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 no. <laughs> you stick to Guns N' Roses, my boy. <laughs> and again, I didn't like resonate with it. It wasn't, but it was... It's like, all right, cool, yeah, good beat, but not really my thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it, it defined South Florida. It definitely did. So. I think I got away with like still family either not speaking English well enough, or it was too fast for them to decipher that I like flew under the radar of like listening <laughs> to it for a while. All right. Yeah. Um, those are your six songs, my friend. We got through it. Um and so, like, you know, as we as we round that out, I want to ask, like, how does it feel to to sort of hear your life reflected uh, in six mm. songs? Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting to, to see it laid out and, you know, taking the time to pull these particular songs out. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by the six songs, like hearing them in succession and just going, wow, yeah, those those are the songs that are part of me again not except for rush on on the list of six songs like none of them are like my favorite group or what i'm listening to all the time now but they are definitely songs that 
I have an intimate connection with and, you know, uh, to sound cliche, you know, maybe who I am today. Right. So, um, uh, that's really cool to see. And so anyone out there who is, um, you know, uh, interested in doing this or whatever, I, you know, definitely come on and do it, you know, or what, like any potential guests out there that we're, we're going to reach out to or whatnot. Like it was a cool experience to, to do not just, even if I didn't share it with anybody, right. Just going through this process was, was interesting. A thing jumped out at me though. And it's kind of seeing the songs. I've got the media board of our platform up here. So I'm looking at the names of the six songs. Um, I am, uh, taken aback that, uh, all but one of the songs are from high school and before. Mm-hmm. Like, like all the songs are from my younger time and we got the one Britney Spears during my army time and in sort of thinking about it and going, Hey, well, why didn't I have more from, you know, the last 15 years and things like that. And I feel like it's uh, related to my memory and the, the issues I've been struggling through of, I, you know, obviously was doing things and listening to music, but but somehow they weren't being sort of sedimented in, in me and kind of having that effect to where I'm like, I can't think of music. I was, if I think of key points in the last 15 years of times, like us going on trips together or proposing or, you know, whatever it is, I have a harder time remembering, uh, the music in that way. And Mm. so I feel like that is a, a telling example of, uh, the sort of challenges and, and struggles that can, can come about. I think you mentioned early on that that was also how you kind of self-diagnosed that something wasn't right, right. That, 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 that music wasn't resonating for a while. Um, and I don't know, maybe in, in a way it saved your life just recognizing something that because if you don't know that there's something wrong, if there isn't like the acknowledgement that something is wrong, then can't do anything about it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's a number of things I can point to that I can say, you know, saved my life. Carolina is one of them. I mean, you are too, Roz, in the sense, right? You, you helped me on the legal side of some things and, and helping me through and just were a person, you know, helping with the process. Um, but yeah, I think it's, and, and I feel like I'm such a, a, a telling example because I was working in veteran services and things, you know, I was doing grad school and working on, you know, veterans issues and veterans reintegration and, you know, identity and, and, and whatnot. Um, and then the previous four years, I was running a student veterans office at a university, right. And so helping, other student veterans through the process and giving talks and things. And so I was giving talks to people when I'd welcome a new class of student veterans, you know, I talk about pay attention to what's going on. If you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you're whatever, reach out, we're here, we'll get, you know, all of these things. Meanwhile, I was struggling with all these things and didn't put it all together. Right. And, and so it was like, um, I remember when I was in grad school doing, you know, working on my PhD, um, 
And I would struggle to like read and focus and write a paper and, and things like that. And I remember just saying, oh, this is really hard. I just need to bear down and, and work harder, right? That was my response, which was the exact opposite of what I needed. I needed to stop and slow down and kind of, you know, take stock of everything, do some therapy, do some work and, you know, all these things. And so, um, yeah, realizing that I wasn't feeling like I wasn't having feelings for things. I remember another example was there was that condo in South Florida that collapsed. Um, Surfside. A, yeah, Surfside a couple of years ago and like a whole bunch of people died and things. And uh, I remember coming home and Carolina, you had it on the TV and I was standing there watching it. And, and I remember like up here, I was able to recognize this is a horrible tragedy. Lots of people died, lost their family, but I didn't feel anything. And I remember telling Carolina, I'm like, I don't feel anything for these people. Um, and it was just that, like, you know, going numb at times in the military. And then afterwards, just, you know, continuing to uh, just kind of put my head down and trying to move forward and, right. and things and not not dealing with the stuff. It just got, you know, progressively more, more and more. And right, so, like mentally muscling through which is sort of what you're taught to do, right? Just work mm -hmm. harder. Just put your head down. Just push through whatever it is. Yeah. 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 And then another one, you know, during the pandemic, we got a second dog, um, which is, you know, as lots of people did things in the pandemic of like, well, I guess we're doing, you know, going to do this now. Um, and in a lot of ways she saved my life too, because she's, She's my shadow. She is by my side. She follows me everywhere. I am her person. She's very sensitive, very intuitive, very empathetic in that way. And um, at my worst, I was having really bad nightmares of combat and just military culture. And I was like, you know, I'd be dreaming I was back, back in the military, back there, whatever it might be. Um, and so sometimes I was waking up from the dream and I was aware of what was happening. I'd wake up in a panic attack and I was, you know, uh, heart racing, uh, threw up and like it was, you know, full on panic attack. However, um, there were times where I didn't wake up from the dream, but our dog who would sleep right next to me would would wake me up. She would sense that I was dreaming and not well not okay. and wake me up and not OK. Um and, um, that was telling because it was happening like three or four times a night. Right. <laughs> and so that was another sign of like, Hey, this is, this is affecting me in a lot more ways. And so then putting all the things together, I was like, man, this really feels like this stuff I'm telling everybody else about to watch out for. And I, I, you know, the things I knew where they were easily, the, you know, the VA and the PTSD questionnaire and all this stuff. I said, let me, let me do it and see. And it was just like, tick, 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 tick. You know, I was ticking off every box. Um, and so then it was, yeah, let's start the process to getting help. And I got, um, a prescription for medical cannabis because I knew people were using that to help. Um, and that helped with the sleep. Um, cause that Huge was crucial. It, it, it had gotten Huge. to the point where I didn't want to go to sleep. I was, I was dreading nighttime and getting to go to sleep because I knew it was going to be not enjoyable. <laughs> it was going to be not fun. Um, so then you're not sleeping as much. 
um, which makes all of the, the, the symptoms and things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, uh, it's taken some time, but, uh, to, you know, to anyone out there that's, you know, if you're struggling with something, don't deny the symptoms, right? If you're easily agitated, that was me. I was getting angry, easy noise, sensitivity, uh, uh, the sleep issues, the, the memory issue. I mean, you know, don't ignore those signs, um, reach out, get help, start the process. If you're a veteran, you know, I know the VA, we are frustrated by it. It can be difficult. I know it's difficult for me to go to the VAs because it kind of puts me back in that military environment. And so it can be triggering for a lot of, a lot of folks, but start the process, start the process, say yes to everything. If a provider is like, Hey, are you interested in trying this therapy or this type of thing? Give it a go because that's how you're going to figure out what works for you, what you need. Yeah. Well, my hope for you is that although not a lot of songs came up from the last 15 years, as you continue through your healing journey, like new songs will add their way onto your life playlist. Um, and I'm excited to see what those will be. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to, we're going to speed things up a little bit. This is our, our, our lightning round. So we've gone through your six questions and we do a quick little lightning round of questions. Um, first concert, last concert, best concert. Hmm. First concert. Um, Going in line with the white snake in fourth grade and the hair metal ish kind of vibe. Uh, my first concert was Van Halen. Um, yes. their four unlawful carnal knowledge tour. Um, uh, Miami arena. I was middle school, probably probably sixth or seventh grade or something like that. Um, so yeah, that was the first concert. Uh, Alice in Chains opened for them before oh. Alice in Chains wow. was Alice in Chains. Um, yeah. you, you know, uh, they Who had was the lead just singer? a Van Who was Halen the lead singer for Van Halen at the time. Uh, this was in the Sammy Hagar years. So nice. Sammy Hagar, not David Lee Roth. Um, nice. which I, I like them both, you yeah. know, and diff- for different reasons and stuff. I, I appreciated both of them and stuff, but, um, yeah, that was first concert Miami arena, middle school parents dropped us off and just oh, went shit, into a concert. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different. And different by the way, time. there was no cell phones at the time for the pickup call. There no, was not. I'm ready. Just, <laughs> you just I'll, wait. I'll meet you here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh so yeah, whatever we struggle with as parents now, and doing the we got to pick our kids up from places and stuff. Yeah. Man, the cell phones make it so much easier because there, <laughs> as a parent, you just had to kind of be there and be like, I guess I'll be back around, you know, eleven, <laughs> and just wait here. <laughs> Randomly loiter around the arena. For my kids to get out. Yeah. All right. Last concert. Uh, Last concert was uh, we saw Lithium. It was a Nirvana cover band. Uh, (laughs) We saw it for uh, Father's Day at a place here in Nashville. And we were right up close by the stage. And it was really good. They were a really good cover band. And it scratched all the right itches. Um, And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It's going to change tonight though, because tonight we're actually going to see, um, Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran here in uh, Nashville at the arena. So, um, if we did this tomorrow, that would have been my last one, Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Um, 
as far as my best concert, uh, this is, you know, is a tough one. Um, you know, as a lifelong rush fan, obviously like, you know, it's hard to beat a rush show, but I'm going to go against the grain here with that and say that my actual best concert was the first time, first time I saw tool in concert. Um, and I think it was because I have, I had been a rush fan for so long that like it was, it was great because I'm such a huge fan where tool was a band I'm very into, you know, now and stuff, but, but kind of wasn't forever and was just like, yeah, let's, you know, kind of digging this stuff. Let's check it out. Um, and I was just blown away by their show. Right. Just, it's a very different vibe than a rush show, right? Rush is kind of like, we're just out here. We're having fun. We're doing it. We got screens and it's kind of this like fun party kind of thing. Sometimes performance too. They really like, it's a full production. They've got funny skits. They film beforehand and show where tool is like this psychedelic experience. And it's just, you know, on just a different level. And so, that was that was the the time I was like most like kind of blown away by a, a concert. Wait, so which which tour? Like for which album? Uh the tour the first time I saw it was for their ten thousand days oh. tour. So I I didn't <clears throat> get into them. Yeah, yeah. I, I I and that's where like I got into them is during the hiatus between, you know, Enema and Lateralis and those, yeah. and they, you know, had this longer break. I got into them. And so when the 10,000 days album came out, I was like, I'm going to go see these people. (laughs) Nice. Nice. And Maynard facing backwards in front of the screen, you know, not facing the crowd and all that. Yeah. All good stuff. And I mean, Danny Carey is from the sort of Neil Peart school. He's, he's not like a powerhouse drummer, but I mean, he is, there's only one Danny Carey. Correct. Correct. Yep. Equally unique in their approach. Yeah, totally. Very cool. Totally. Making up new time signatures and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this one is in Danny Carey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is Danny Carey time. Yes. I get lost and I can't necessarily follow it, but I do love it. Like, (laughs) their music's really good. All right. Well, our fearless host, thank you so much for sharing your your life and six songs with us. Um, you got to go first, and hopefully this is the first of a ton of amazing life stories that we get to hear. As we sign off in the last you know minute or so we have left, um, let us know what you have going on. And for anybody that's really connected with you, your story, the content, this podcast, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, so... Um... You know, the main thing I got going on right now is this podcast. Um, this is my uh, next endeavor, my therapy, my, you know, all of it, uh, my way to, you know, work with people I care about and and meet others. So if you are at all interested in the podcast, whether it's you think uh, there's a cool person you want to hear from or you would like to be part of it or on it or something like that. Reach out to us. We've got all the socials, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, it's all of them are at a life and six songs. Uh, so you can find us there. You can email us at a life and six songs podcast at gmail.com. 
That's a life in six songs podcast at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, reach out to us. Um, if anything I said, uh, resonated with you as a veteran or someone, you know, uh, uh, going through their own recovery and, and dealing with mental health issues, like I said, you know, reach out to someone, tell someone, start that process. Um, you know, if you're not sure where to start, reach out to, to us and we can, you know, point you in the right direction in ways. And I hope you continually, uh, continue to listen to the podcast because hopefully this is, is, uh, therapeutic for, for all of us. All right. And with that, thank you all for listening until next time. <laughs>